0: So I wasn't actually going to speak. Well, we had a debate about who was going to speak, and uh, and and Steve won. Steve won. Um, but um, like he does, God kind of dropped me in it. So, um, so God just kept speaking to me about the name of the church, the the change of name of the church, and. Uh, like Kathy said, we've been through several name changes to the point where I don't even remember which was the first one. City of God in Leeds? Yes. But uh, the word freedom has kind of gone round and round in my head. And so I was saying to the Lord, okay, well, if you want me to say something about freedom, what do you want me to say? And uh, he took me to Galatians 5one one. I put my glasses on for this. And it says... Um, Mine isn't a great translation, so it should say, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not, uh, sorry, it says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by, or the freedom by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled with a yoke of bondage. And this morning is... As different people have shared, it's just been that same theme, what Keck has just shared. It's that whole theme of knowing who we are in Christ and not being in bondage, being in freedom. And uh, it was um, because it's that freedom that brings us into everything that the power and authority that Jesus has given us to live our lives. And to know fully who we are in Christ. And this year has has been a really amazing year for Stephen and I. Um, Some of you know we've been, or we moved to France in 2000. And uh, the first seven or eight years were great. Then things went a little bit downhill. And we actually came to a place, or I particularly came to a place, where I had lost sight of who I was. I, I had really lost sight of my identity my place my calling and uh, so we had the privilege and it has been a privilege of going out to Bethel uh, Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry and just going on that journey of re-establishing who we are in Christ who we're called to be what is our calling being just that confirmation that yes we are called to work in Paris we are called to minister to the church there and a lot of the, the journey for me has come from a verse that comes a little bit later in Galatians 5, where this freedom that we're called to, in verse 15, it says, For you, brethren, have been called to freedom. Only do not use freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. And that has been the key for me. That verse, you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. How much do I love myself? Have I understood who I am in Christ? Just like Kate was saying, have I understood the depth of the love that Jesus has for me? Or do I allow negative thoughts to come in? Do I allow regret and shame and difficult circumstances to shift me away from that knowing that deep love of Christ? Because when we shift from that, we can say we love other people. We can serve other people. But deep down, our service is not coming from the Holy Spirit and Jesus. It's coming from our own strength. And we come to a place where it ends. Where We just can't give any more because we haven't understood that love that is being poured into us on a continual basis. And so what has really been a journey for me this year is just that, love yourself. Love others, others as you love yourself. And it's not about pride. It's not about, oh, I'm wonderful, look at me. It's about, I am loved by Jesus he doesn't look at any of my mistakes. He doesn't remind me. In fact, one, one thing that was said that really struck me is that when, when Jesus talks to us, he talks about our present and our future. He never talks about our past. You will not find things that say, oh, have a good look at your past. It's all about where are you going, who are you today, and where are you going and yet we have a tendency to rule ourselves out because of our past, to have doubts because of our past, or to allow negative things to come in. Those negative thoughts that say, will God do this? Is God big enough to do this? Look at my circumstances. How I, you know, Where is God in my circumstances? Instead of saying, the word of God, like Hannah said this morning, the word is our, is our reality not our circumstances. Our circumstances are there to change and to prove the glory of God. But but if we don't partner with that, then we stay in those circumstances and we stay in the negative mindset. and And we end up blaming ourselves or accusing ourselves. And as soon as we do that, we forget how much we're loved and we stop loving ourselves. So I would just want to encourage you with that word of freedom. That freedom is love yourselves well so that you can love your neighbor. And it's, that's where it starts. Knowing how much you are loved. Because once you know that, you cannot accuse yourself. You cannot look at yourself and say, oh, Jesus got it wrong though. No, he didn't get it wrong. He died for every single one of us. He knew all the mistakes we were going to make. All the mistakes we'd already made, all the things that were going to trip us up, and he says, "Don't care. I love you. Don't care about that stuff. We'll work it through, because I love you." Thank
1: you. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. That was my lovely wife. So I'm going to try and do a balancing act here. This could be an exciting moment. The best, I had my birthday last Thursday, and the best present I got was this huge Bible <laughs> from Lynn. I, no, I've just managed it. Thank you very much, though, John. And um, I'm also going to share for sort of 20-25 minutes about the, the year that we had in, in Bethel. But I want to base it on a passage in the, that's really well known in the Gospel of John. So if you want to read about 10 verses with me in John 3, I know you know it, but it's just so good to read the Word of God. Yeah. So this is my Bible's maiden voyage. Hallelujah. And uh, the passage is so well known, I'm like Lynn, I have to take my glasses off to read, so there we are, that's how it works for me. And um, we're going to start with one of the the precious verses of John 3, which is verse 3, and then I'm going to read on to verse 13. So let's read the word of God together. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and you do not know these things? Most assuredly I say to you, We speak what we know and testify what we've seen and you do not receive our witness. If I had told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And uh, I'd just love to pray. Please pray with me for a few moments, Lord. We want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you that the Holy Spirit inspired it. And our faith is that the Holy Spirit is here to inspire it into every single heart again, into mine and into every person who's present. We ask you to blow that wonderful wind of God. Just breathe on your word and on the testimony of your word and we are just positioning our hearts to receive life from you now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Well, Kathy, thank you for your great introduction. What Kathy failed to mention was that my first home in Leeds was actually with her parents, Pat and Pete. Uh, Back in 1983 and therefore I was Cathy's official babysitter from about age six So there we are. That's how old we really are (laughs) No, 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 so it's kind of amazing to be back here. This was home for us for 17 years And it is phenomenal actually for us to come back and have a sense of home after so long away so thank you for everyone who manages to communicate that to us. We love being here. Um, so I'm going to get on with the passage. And, and the reason I chose this is because I want to be very real with you. In this house we are real. So I'm about to be real about some of the things that happened to me when I was uh, in Bethel for this last kind of nine months, which just really challenged me in the same way that Jesus can say to Nicodemus, you're Israel's teacher and you don't know these things? It's kind of, ouch. Well, I I had a few moments of ouch when I was over there. So I'm just going to share one with you um, to kind of give you a context. And that was that we were asked at different times in the year to attend a kind of five-week track. They call them advanced ministry training tracks. Uh, This one was being run by Wendy Backland. She asked us to read a book, which just happened to be her own book. And she said, um, please, your homework is, read such and such a chapter in the book. There are kind of key questions at the end. Please answer those questions. And then she she said to us at the end of week one, she said uh, something along the lines of, We'll take some testimonies next week, something like that. So, my mindset was this um, we've been given a chapter to read, we've been given homework to do, so I will diligently do that. I think I had become an expert at listening to messages, uh, listening to preachers over a very long number of years, and dutifully taking notes, but. Well, I'll explain the shock. So, we get to week two, and she says, does does anyone want to give a testimony about what they've experienced with God out of that chapter? And to my surprise, there's about half the room saying, yeah, um, I read this and put this into practice. God showed me this. This happened to me in the supermarket. This, this, this. And I'm like, ooh, that's interesting. But it didn't go any deeper than that. So, same thing week three, ton of testimonies, same thing week four. And I'm starting to think, why have they all got testimonies and I've got none? I've done the homework, but I got no testimony out of it. And then week five, she says, would you, if you're willing to give testimony, we actually want you to sign a disclaimer because we're going to video it, put it on whatever, YouTube and the rest. And um, that's what the entire week is going to be in week five. And I had to sit there and it was quite painful for like an hour and a half listening to 20-something year olds saying all the dynamic things that God had shown them in those pages that they'd put into practice and that they'd experienced with God. And I was sitting there thinking... I haven't put anything into practice. What's wrong with me? And what I realized was, I'd become a passive learner. I was a great note taker. And I did my homework. But something had been short circuited in me between what was being shared and a demand on my own life. Something, the wiring <laughs> had gone wrong and I was no longer thinking I can do something about this. It didn't honestly even occur to me. It was, my mindset was more head knowledge. I want to understand. And there was nothing going on inside of me about do this. And I got to the end of that week and I was like, oh wow, I need some help. God, I, how do I become a doer? Because I've become a hearer and I need to change. Because that's terrible. Because actually, I'm not going to change if I'm only a hearer, like Jesus said. I mean, we know he said it, but it's, it's getting that reality in. So my next AMT is with a guy called Joaquin Evans. All about the supernatural. And he would pick up on what, was be, what Jesus says in verse 3 of this passage that I've read. Because if I, were to, if I were to ask myself the question a few years ago, what does Jesus say in John 3.3? My answer would have been, he says we must be born again. That's got to be a correct answer. I'm just letting you know that is correct. But actually, he says a, a stack more than that, Because what he actually says is, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Which if you rephrase that means, if you're born again, you can see the kingdom of God. That's what it means. And what I started to understand was, God hadn't given me a new birth and revived my spirit just so that I would go to heaven one day, he'd actually done it so that my spirit could learn to see invisible things. See kingdom things. See what God was doing. And I hadn't been training my spirit. I just had not been training it. I don't mean not at all. I just mean I'd not been given the, giving the right priority to saying, okay spirit, I know you're in there, and <laughs> I know you're alive, so come on then, let's dare to ask God, what are you doing? What's going on? What do you want me to see? So here's testimony number two, and it rocked my world. Joachim Evans says, did a, a short talk about the fact that some Christians he knows literally seeing the Spirit. And what he means by that is, they can say, I see an angel there, and they're not making it up, and they're not saying it's a vision, they're saying they can see. And I can see this, and the other, and whatever else. And Joachim said, that doesn't happen to me, and it used to frustrate the life out of me, because I thought it wasn't fair. Because they're seeing and I'm not seeing, so what's the deal? But God started to say to him, Joachim, you have got inner eyes. And you can see in the spirit because your spirit is born again. So, why don't you ask me to show you things without these eyes from the heart? And then you can go to your classy friends and you can ask them if what you're seeing in your heart they're seeing differently. And he started to do that. God, what are you doing in the room? Oh, there's that, there's this angel. And he wasn't seeing them in this way. He was seeing them spiritually. Then he would go to his friend and say, Is there an angel there? Is, is God doing that? Is there this? Is there the other? And his friends would say, Yes, that's right. So he started to have a lot more confidence in seeing from his spirit. He started to pay attention to his spirit. And so he then challenged us, and he said, okay, let's take 30 seconds. Let's ask God what he's doing in the room right now. Come on, close your eyes. I mean, you can do it if you want, but I, I'm saying what happened to me. He said, close your eyes, and, and just don't look with your eyes, and look with your spirit and see. So I did this. And what I saw without seeing was angels, and it was vague, but it seemed like they had some kind of large receptacle. I mean, it's kind of weird to say it, but I'm just telling you the truth. And that they were pouring this onto people. And the strange thing was, it seemed to be like an oil that God intended for healing. And as I sort of looked at it, but with my heart, it was as if it was a healing for joints, in different parts of people's bodies. But I didn't see anything with these eyes. That's what I'm trying to say to you, so you've understood that. So then, of course, he says, okay, what did anyone see? Uh, do I want to say that? Am I going to be silent again? Okay, come on, speak up. So, well, Joachim, what I think I saw was, and I described that image that I just told you. So then he said, okay. Let's find out if that's from God. Oh, that's, that's a great moment, isn't it? So he said, first of all, he said, so are there any people here who are suffering from joint pain? Now you have to remember, Bethel is like the healing mecca of Christianity and people are being healed all the time. So I'm not thinking that of these 70 plus students, there are people who have got joint pain. I don't That's not in my thinking. I'm thinking if you had joint pain, you'd probably been healed by now. So 20 plus people put their hands up. And I'm like, that's my first big surprise. Then he says, all right, if that's what God's doing, just simply put your hand on the person, anyone next to you who's standing. He got them to stand. Just put your hand and just agree. Let's just agree with what God's doing. So the prayer lasted five seconds. Really. God, you've sent angels with oil to heal joints, so we agree that that's what you're doing now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, test it out. How many people have been healed? Just about every single person put their hand up and said, all the pain has left my shoulders, arms, elbows, fingers, knees, any other joint you want to name, all healed. (laughs) I'm telling you wow, I was bowled over. I was like, oh God, it would have taken me about three years to see that many people healed by going around and doing it my way and oh, whatever else I tried to do for you. And I'm like, oh, this is amazing. If I can learn to see what you're doing and just move with what you're doing, I can accelerate this by a hundredfold, a thousandfold. I can live in a different dimension. And I just want to say that, I'm not saying we've arrived. I'm saying this is one of the greatest lessons I learned from Bethel. People are learning there to live out of their born-again spirit. They are just constantly almost inquiring of their spirits in the Lord in the right way. Lord, what are you doing? What, come on, my spirit. Stir up within me. What are you seeing? What are you sensing? And so we've been pursuing that and it's been a very exciting journey. But of course, Nicodemus in, his, in this passage says, I don't get that at all. I, I haven't understood that. So Jesus has another go. And he says to them, uh, I think it's in verse 6, well, if you're, if you're born again, um, verse 5, you can enter the kingdom. You can enter the kingdom from your born again spirit. You can enter a kingdom experience. So again, Nicodemus says, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know how you do that. And Jesus' response to that, and I think it's verse 11 is really strange, because for the first 10 verses of the conversation with Nicodemus, Jesus has been speaking what you and I would call normally. I tell you this, I say this to you, and suddenly, in verse 11, he says, we. In, in reply to, to this question. And, and he says, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, but you do not receive our witness. So suddenly Jesus has become plural, <laughs> just in the middle of this conversation. And it's like, who's, who's we? Because if you think oh, it's Jesus and the disciples, that actually just doesn't make sense. Because the disciples are right at the beginning of the ministry. So they can't be saying, we testify about what we've seen. they had hardly seen anything. So my conclusion and others with me is that Jesus is actually speaking about the reality that he lived with God. And he's actually speaking, you could say out of the Trinity, but out of his experience of absolute oneness with God. And he's saying we speak yes. because he was never alone. Yes. He, he just knew he was never alone. Talk about knowing who your identity is. Je- Jesus' identity was absolutely, fundamentally, yes. it's impossible for me to be alone. Yes. I, I, I can't be, I, I don't want to be, I, I never have been and I never will be. Yes. In his ministry. And so one of the secrets that I have seen with my eyes in Bethel is people have learnt to walk hand in hand with the Lord in, at every moment of their day. They're quite remarkable. They, Bill Johnson talks about keeping the dove on your shoulder. He's got different messages. It, it doesn't matter. It all amounts to the same thing. It's walking with a conscious awareness that the Holy Spirit is on you, and therefore, at any moment, you can experience something supernaturally. And when you have and you, you have to actually develop that awareness intentionally, it starts with how you get out of bed in the morning. You know, some of those guys will say from the platform, when I wake up, before I do anything else at all, in my bed, I say, Lord, I'm just positioning myself to be aware of your presence today. I'm receiving your love right now. And they just wait for the waves of love to flood their heart before they do anything else at all. They won't move. They won't move until they've positioned themselves to an awareness. And then they train themselves to walk in that awareness through the day. And it produces incredibly supernatural days. So a a few quick testimonies would be, Lynn and I went down to Azusa Street for the big conference that was held there for the 110th anniversary the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Azusa Street, and we had a week of evangelism prior to it. We'd gone down before, we'd prayed and so on. But we had like, positioned our hearts to experience God's supernatural on the streets. And so it would take me a little bit too long for all the details, so in like three or four minutes I'm just going to tell you about one day, which was that Um, we met at a kind of a restaurant-cafe thing. There were people eating. I was asking the Holy Spirit, who should I go speak to? He kind of highlighted someone. I don't know how that looks like. It just meant I looked at a guy eating by himself and just felt drawn to him, went to speak to him, and it was the most incredible conversation in terms of witnessing that I think I've had just because at first I wondered if he was just joking or something but he wasn't it was like I started we just exchanged normally and then I started to say little bits about my life and my experience with God and everything I had experienced he said oh that that happened to me or oh I was that I was like that in my life too oh Well, I I now feel like you say you were feeling. So what what solution did you find? Oh, you prayed to Jesus. Well, I think that's what I need to do. Can I do that now? I mean, it was absolutely, crazily supernatural from start to finish. He had just had the same kind of life journey that I'd had 30 years earlier. And he just came to the same conclusion and said, I need your God. Can we pray? And so we prayed. And so he got born again, and we hadn't even gone onto the streets, and we were already seeing the supernatural. And then I went over to another guy, and he turns out he's a Hollywood film director. And he does horror movies. And he said to me, I don't think that God is pleased that I do horror movies. What do you think? And he said, yeah, well, I I answered him. And, And he said, I don't know where it comes from. But since a small child, I've been attracted to that kind of thing, and I don't know why. So I said to the Holy Spirit, why? Show me why. And he, what he said to me was, Satan tried to kill him when he was born. He had a, his mum had a very difficult pregnancy, he nearly died at birth, and there was a spirit of fear came, came on him, and that spirit of fear... Has, has had an attachment to him since that time, and it's attracted him to things that make you afraid. So I share that with him, and he says, that's absolutely correct. That happened to me at birth, and so on and so forth. And that word of knowledge totally opened this guy up to want to know more, and how could he find God, and how could he, etc., now, he didn't pray to receive the Lord, but it was a very significant encounter for him. It'll take me too long. Lynn was with me. We went out down a down the street. There was a couple who were sitting there. And, and again, it's too long to say, but just let me tell you this. The day before, some unknown person to them had said to them, I think that you two are going to have a divine encounter with God, and I think it's going to happen tomorrow. And that was the day that we turned up and started speaking to them. And the guy saying to me, I think you're the people who God's meant to send to us so that we can find God. I mean, what a setup is that? It's just totally supernatural. So they gave their lives to the Lord, and Lynn went off and gave them something to eat at uh, whatever burger king i don 't know because we 're in America, so they need burgers <laughs> and, and, and just the whole day and so i I, I told Jean Ann and Mel this yesterday but i 'll repeat it um, one of no, i 've got two more in the, all the same day, just two more quickly one, one was. We got back onto Hollywood Boulevard and another of our teams was with an older gentleman who we didn't know. They called us over and this guy was saying, I fell in the hotel room last night and really hurt my back. I'd love you to pray for me. So there was six or seven of us by this time. We just prayed for him and we sort of saw him straighten up. And and he just said, oh, all the pain's gone. Oh, that's wonderful. Hallelujah. And then he looked at us and he said... Are you guys from Bethel? Well, we're a thousand miles from Bethel. So that's a weird question. So we said, yeah, how do you know that? He said, well, I'm just not surprised. He said, I'm from New Zealand. I went to Bethel three months ago because I was dying of cancer. They prayed for me five or six Saturdays in a row in the healing rooms. I went for a medical checkup. They've told me I'm cancer free. And so I came down to L.A. on holiday, hurt my back, and God sent Bethel again. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) That's awesome. So we're just totally pumped up by this one day. So here's the last story. We're going towards somewhere to eat in the evening, and I saw a young guy of about, I don't know, 18, 19, sitting on the bench of a bus stop. And I just said, Holy Spirit, just give me something for him so I can talk to him. And what I felt as a word of knowledge was that something had just happened where a group of his maybe not close friends had tried to get him to do something illegal or dangerous. I didn't have detail, but something that he knew was wrong. He had decided to do it and was on the point of doing it when he just got like a conviction... Oh, I mustn't do that. So at the last moment, he said to them, No, I'm not going with you, and I'm not going to take part in that. And what God said to me was, He thought that it was him changing his mind, but actually, it was the Holy Spirit convicting him, because I was trying to stop him from doing it, and he needs to hear, that was one of his, he's got like a last opportunity to come back to me, because he's walked away. Well, that's pretty specific. But when you're pumped up and you're just going for it, you just share whatever. And that's what I shared with him. And he's looking at me like, how do you know? And he's just like, well, because God loves you, and the Holy Spirit's here. And so he said, so does this mean I need to get my life Right with God? Yes, it does. <laughs> Correct <laughs> You have fully understood the point. <laughs> and so shall we pray? Yes, I think we should pray, shouldn't we? Yes, I think we should. And that was how the day went. It was just awesome. Which doesn't mean that every day of my life is like that. Because what I've discovered with Lynn as well is that I have to position myself. I have to pursue. I have to challenge myself to flow with my born again spirit that is in communion with the Lord. It says somewhere in 2 Corinthians 6, I think he who is united to the Lord is one with him in spirit. Sorry, I don't have the reference. But you are therefore one with him in spirit and your spirit is the part of you that can relate 100% to the Lord and hear from Him, but our intellect gets in the way and our own thought processes and maybe fears and all the rest of it. And it's a case of learning to live from our spirits. And we can all do it. We can all do this. And we're on a journey. And so I've not arrived and I'm not doing that evangelism every day. But just to tell you, we challenged ourselves. We had a, a small five ladies came from a church in London to Paris just two weeks ago. And they said, we just want to evangelize in Paris. Can we come and join you? And, and I said, yes, because I wanted to be challenged. And walking around with these ladies was phenomenal. Because Parisians can be just as closed and arrogant and indifferent and as anyone else in Leeds can be. But you know, when you sit with a guy who's looking at you in a kind of mocking way and the lady next to you says, God's telling me that you're a doctor, is that right? Yes, how do you know that? And telling me this about your brother, is that correct? I mean, this (laughs) this guy just opens up. We had another guy who gave his life to the Lord and we had a lady who was painting... One of the fountains in the Jardin de Luxembourg. And I looked at her and she was kind of going like this with her shoulder. I thought, she's, got, she's in pain. And the lady from the UK, we'd prayed for her at lunchtime and her shoulder had been healed in the church offices. So I said to her, you need to come with me and we need to pray for that lady. So we just went up. Hello, da, 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 da. Are you, is your shoulder in pain? Yes. Do you mind if we prayed for you? Because she got healed of shoulder pain this lunchtime. So it'll just be 10 seconds. So, of course, frowning and all right then. And it's a bit weird to them. Three-second prayer. Lord, heal this shoulder. In Jesus' name, amen. She starts going like that. And I don't quite understand. She said in French, is this a joke? That's what she said. So... Why she said that, I'm not quite sure. I said, well, if you mean you've been healed, I don't think that's a joke. I think God's healed you. She said, well, I haven't got any more pain. How have you done that? So we didn't do it. Jesus did it. You were healed in Jesus' name, and he's the one that we serve. She said, well, I'm a Hindu, and I believe in millions of gods. I said, well, you've just encountered the right one. (laughs) He's the one that you need to identify out of the millions because he's the living one. And would you like to know him? Well, I don't mind praying to him, but I think I still want to pray to some of the others. So I'm not saying she was saved with clarity. I'm just saying she had an encounter with God. And it just showed me again, God, if we will tune into your Holy Spirit, if we will pursue you, So, oh look, you've given me some water, that's wonderful, thank you. So I'm going to finish with this and then pray for you if I may. I challenged myself and said, okay then God, so show me something for freedom, church. So I'll just tell you what I saw. I saw a very large cauldron and it had a kind of broth in it, is probably the best word. And I saw the leadership with a huge ladle, and they were stirring this thing. Now, I want to be really clear, oh, I've gone on too long. I want to be really clear that the, the, the contents of the cauldron were really good. I want you to hear that, like it was quality food in there. The only problem was, there just wasn't quite enough water that was the only problem. No one's fault. It was that stirring it was actually quite hard work. And the, the the verse came to mind stir one another up to love and good deeds. And it was as if the leadership sometimes feel like that they're just having to really put a lot of effort in to stirring the people up but what I saw was the leadership kinda looked up to the Holy Spirit in fact it wasn't only the leadership it was like a realization came what we need is water from the Holy Spirit We, we need supernatural water the kind where Jesus said if you just take one drink of this It will actually become a river in you. It's not normal water. It's multiplied supernaturally. And so this water came into this cauldron. And oh, the leadership was so happy. It was just like... And the flavour was so good. And people started to come. And people were like, oh... Could I, what is that recipe? That is amazing. I want some of that. Because it had a supernatural flavour. In this house, we are real.
0: But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give second chances to anyone, and we also have lots of fun. In this house, we definitely forgive. We also do loud. We give the best hugs. We
1: are family. And in this house, that means we we love.